Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Praise God. God's good to us. Amen. And uh, we're going to get into some good things today. But uh, before we jump right into the message, uh, Pastor Michelle read the the scripture there in the book of Numbers chapter 6 concerning the blessing. And uh, what's interesting is this blessing uh, in Numbers chapter 6, it's reiterated three times in the the Old Testament, uh, just this way, three times. And if you, now three uh, is the number of perfection. It's, it's, it's the number of completeness. And when you look at it here, this, this blessing is three times in the Old Testament, just this way. And then when you look at each time this blessing is pronounced, three times it says the Lord. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance unto you and give unto you peace. And He said to Moses to have Aaron and his sons speak that over the people. Well, the importance there is that, number one, He's showing us that this is something that covers every area of our life and that it's the Lord that's responsible for it. Of course, I've got to believe it. All through the Scripture, all through the Old Testament and the New Testament, when things of God are spoken of, they're spoken of in threes. It, uh, it speaks of, of uh, Jesus in the book of Revelation. Uh, uh, he who was, who is, who is to come. Uh, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, when Paul referenced God in the book of 1 Corinthians, he said he did deliver us, he does deliver us, and he will deliver us. Uh, over and over again, it speaks of, of it concerning threes. And the reason that's so important is this is emphatic. This is God saying, this is what I'm swearing to do. Something that changed my life years ago, many, many years ago, is that when God told Abraham, he said, because I could swear by no greater, I swore by myself. That in blessing, I will bless you. Multiply and I will multiply you. I'll make your seed as the sands of the seashore in multitude. And so it's not something that you're trying to work up. It's something that you've got to keep in your mind that God swore something to you. And what He swore was that He would bless you and keep you, make His face to shine on you, be gracious to you, lift up your countenance and give you peace. That's that's a covenant oath. It can't change because God cannot change. And uh, so God's good to us. And he said something this morning uh, as we go over uh, <clears throat> into the book of Matthew. And uh, I want to start in Matthew 27. But the Lord said something uh, this morning, and I was sharing it uh, with some people this morning. And he said this, he said, uh, concerning today, he said, today there will be a release of life. 
And he said, the world is focused on death, but today there will be a release of resurrection life. And he said, there will be an actual release of life in the atmosphere around the country and the world as those of us who believe in the resurrection power of God proclaim it under the anointing. And uh, that's what's happening, is that life is being released. And uh, I said something last night, you cannot ever afford to fill your mouth with what the world is saying when the Bible says to fill your mouth with what God is saying. So important. And that's not just keeping a positive uh, word in your mouth. You know, there are people I I know and I've heard and and talked to, and they just, well, you know, you just got to stay positive. Well, the problem with that is positivity can be broken down by negativity if it's not spiritually charged. All right? I'm not positive just because I'm keeping an attitude of positivity. The Lord told Charles Capps in 1973, he said this, he said, I have left you the book of my creative power. Amen. Amen. And he said, if you will put this, this book of my creative power in your mouth, you can change circumstances. And he said, this is the scientific, this is the application, scientific application to the physiological makeup of man. When you start speaking the word of God, to your body, to your situation, to your circumstance. I I, I know we've taught this over the years, but the Word, this creative power, this book, created everything we see. And and I'm either strengthening it or, or tearing it down by what I'm saying. And so when he said there's a release of life as it's proclaimed, amen, then the resurrection life of God's going to flow. And not just flow in the sense of I'm going to receive it because I'm watching it or I'm going to receive it because I'm hearing it and it's going to work in me personally. This is going into our cities. This is going into our nation. This is going into our world. Yep. Amen. Amen. I, uh, I watched uh, something yesterday and I don't watch the news ever. I don't listen to the news ever. You can ask my wife, I don't watch it, I don't listen to it. When somebody starts trying to tell me something, I tell them I don't want to hear that because I've got the news, I've got the good report. And, and, and I'm not just, it's not that I can't handle negativity, I know people so I can handle negativity. But the point is, is this, is I was watching something yesterday and I was watching our president bless the nation. Amen. He was preaching the gospel. There was an anointing that was flowing over that television screen into our living room. And, you know, the point is, is this, is any mouth that will talk it, God wants to release life. Amen. When, when in, in the Old Testament, in the, uh, 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 the prophet said this, he said that, that people were saying, you're like an abandoned baby in a field, you're bloody, you're left to die. And God said, but I'm going to pass by and I'm going to see you in your own blood and I'm going to declare, live. I say, live. I'm telling you this morning, I'm releasing resurrection life into our atmosphere and I'm telling this nation, this state, this city, this world 
to live again in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we received that this morning. We declare that under the anointing. And I believe that every minister in our fellowship, every pastor of a church that I contacted this morning, I believe, Father, they're saying that this morning. And we are saying it in the, in the far reaches of our state, of our nation. We're declaring it in the name of Jesus. And we shall see the results of it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, glory. Amen. Now, Resurrection Day, that's what, of course, we refer to it as. Some people say Easter. I don't get involved in the titles. Uh, But Resurrection Day can very often become a recollection of a pleasant event instead of an expectation of a release of life. And I've got to expect life to be released. And I want to start here in Matthew 27. And we'll go through these several scriptures in the beginning very quickly. Because uh, I want to just touch on this very briefly. Matthew 27 and verse 50. We want to look in all the four Gospels at the last moments of Jesus on the cross. Verse 50 of Matthew 27 says, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. All right, so this is the place where he died. Then in Mark 15 and uh, verse 37, it says, At the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Then in verse 37, And Jesus cried with a loud voice, and again gave up the ghost. Then in Luke uh, chapter 23, and uh, verse Forty-six. Now when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And having thus said, he gave up the ghost. Now we've already seen in a couple of these different instances, it says that Jesus cried with a loud voice. It doesn't tell us what he said. But John does. John chapter 19 and uh, verse 30. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, notice, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Well, uh, there are a number of different things, a couple of different things that people hear. It's got people to focus on bunnies and eggs and dresses and baskets and, and, and all these things. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not preaching against them. But what I'm saying is when people hear it's Easter, they think bunny rabbit. They think egg hunt. Well, when we think resurrection, we should think power. Not just Jesus rose from the dead and, oh, and it's so wonderful, you know, that, oh, he's alive. But the Bible says in Revelation that he has risen with all power. In his hand. He rose with all power. He went into the grave with no power. 
He went into the grave in the eyes of everybody that saw the crucifixion defeated. Are you with me? Overcome by sin. Defeated by the enemy. But I, I said a couple of weeks ago, but the devil was sealing his own fate. Because the cross was a means to an end. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus has the power that it has because He rose from the dead. Amen. It would have no power if He had not risen from the dead. But because He rose from the dead, all power in heaven and earth was, has been given unto Him. Amen. Christianity is the only religion that bases its claim to acceptance on the resurrection of its founder. No, no one else. If, if you talk to any other religion and you name them, they believe that one day their founder's coming back. One day. Outside Muhammad's tomb, they keep a horse saddled and ready to go. Because one day they believe he's going to get up and get on the horse. But the problem is, he's in hell. He's never coming back. Never going to use that horse. That horse can stand there till it rots. They're never going to use it. Every, every other leader. But at the tomb, and, and, and I want to say this, it's not his tomb. He doesn't have a tomb. He's alive. At the tomb that they laid Jesus in, there's a sign that says, He is not here He's risen. The angel said, why are you looking for the living, those with life, those with power among the dead, those that have no life, those that have no power. He is not among the powerless and the dead. He's among the powerful and the living. Glory to God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. Do you see that? He, he's not here. He's not in the grave. He's not in the, the graveyard. He is risen. Amen. I heard one man say one time, they said, you know, there's a reason it was a borrowed to him. He's only going to need it for three days. Amen. So he just borrowed it. And, and there's a lot of, of uh, revelation truth in that because it was foreordained before the foundation of the world that he was going to die and be buried, but it was also foreordained that he was going to be there a certain number of days and nights. Three days and three nights. Three is the number of perfection. At the end of that third night, Jesus was perfected in spirit, and he rose from the the grave a perfect Savior, a perfect Redeemer, a perfect substitute for mankind, and he took perfect blood to a perfect God and obtained perfect forgiveness. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Amen. Do you see that? For any other religion to base its claim on such a doctrine would mean failure. Because they all have record of when their founder died. We have record of when he died, but we have a greater record of when he rose again. Amen. And the record of resurrection is greater than the resurrection of death. I was talking to my wife this morning, and we were talking about being born again. 
and how Scripture says that what you have to believe is that Jesus rose from the dead, and then you'll be saved. Amen. Why? Because if you don't believe He rose from the dead, there's no power to receive for salvation. If, if He didn't rise from the dead, Paul said, we have no hope if He didn't rise from the dead. But He did. He rose from the dead, so we have hope. Why? There's hope because no matter where I'm at, no matter how bad my situation is, it cannot get any worse than being crucified and put in a grave. You're dead. There's no hope. You can't come back. But yet He did. And when I put my faith in what He did and the fact that He rose from the dead, it doesn't matter what I'm facing. God raised Jesus from the dead. He'll bring me out of what I'm dealing with. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. I have done it. I have preached myself happy. Five minutes into it. Amen. Oh, glory. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Amen. So you test any other belief system by that claim and see how it falls short. Because it, 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 it cannot compare. To, to what we believe. And every time you believe God for something, for instance, this is just something the Lord's been sharing with me. When uh, you got born again, and we'll read this as we move forward. When you got born again, what made you new was the resurrection power of God. Because Scripture says that you were dead in trespasses and sins. But when you believe, He quickened you. Well, the, 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 the uh, uh, Apostles' Creed talks about, and it's based on Scripture, talks about how Jesus died, but it says in hell He was quickened by the Spirit. He had to come back to life. Amen. And when you were born again, you were spiritually dead. You, the, the, the issue with focusing on that is you could not fix that, that you were dead. You could not fix it. It was impossible for it to be remedied by any natural means. And so just like Jesus was separated from the Father and therefore went into a place of spiritual death, the same Holy Spirit that went into the ground and went into the belly of hell and quickened Jesus in the belly of the earth and brought Him back to life, that same Holy Spirit quickened you with the life-giving power of God and brought you back to life spiritually. It's the importance of, of the resurrection life. Amen. And so, in... Uh, John chapter 20 and uh, verse 3. <clears throat> it says, Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. And they ran both together and the other disciple outran Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And stooping down, he looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet he went not in. Then comes Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also the other disciple which came first to the sepulcher and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Now 
The reason we, we, we read this is notice it again is showing us that when they got to the tomb, he wasn't there. He was not there. And all the clothes were folded and, and everything was in place, but he wasn't there. And then it says that he believed. He believed what? What did he believe? What did John believe? That Jesus had raised from the dead. This is important. Because until that time, they did not believe. And uh, we'll read it later. In Mark 16, it talks about how Mary went to him the first time and they didn't believe her. And then the two from the road to Emmaus came and they didn't believe them. All right? Until you believe in the resurrection, there's no strength in your faith concerning it. And so in uh, Luke 24... Luke 24 and uh, verse 6. This is when uh, they came with uh, the, the burial elements. And notice we quoted this earlier. Verse 6, the angel says, He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, crucified, and the third day rise again. So notice again, he is not here. He is risen. Then in uh, Mark 16, thank you, Jesus. Uh, verse 4. And again, the women were there. As they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment. And they were affrighted. And he said to them, don't be affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. Notice, you're, you're seeking him here. But notice, he's not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Then finally in Matthew 28, and uh, verse <coughs> 5 and 6, And the angel answered and said unto the women, Don't fear, for I know that you seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. So, four times we see in the Gospels, three times we see an angel saying, He's not here, He's risen. And in John, we see Peter and John go to the tomb, and we don't see this, the, the uh, account of the angel, but we see where Peter ran in and saw there was nobody, and John ran in and saw there was nobody, and they believed. Amen. Well, in John chapter 11, Jesus says something when he appeared. He, he came to the tomb of Lazarus when Lazarus was, had died and had been dead for four days.
And in, beginning in verse uh, 23, Jesus said unto her, unto Martha, your brother will rise again. Now notice what she says. She's a good believer. She knows the implications here. Well, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But notice what Jesus said. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. So, verse 23, your brother will rise again. She said, yeah, I know someday Jesus said, no, 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 wait a minute. The life is here right now. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And notice, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And, of course, she said, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God. But notice what Jesus says. He arrives in a situation where there's mourning, where there's death, where, where Lazarus has been dead for four days, and he's talking very compassionately to his sister Martha, and he says, your brother is going to live again. And she did what so many people do. Yeah, you know, I, in other words, if, if you say, God's going to heal you tonight, somebody inevitably will say, yeah, yeah, I believe God can heal. I, be, I believe God can. That's not what was said. What was said was, God's going to heal you tonight. Are you with me? Jesus shows up here, and he says, your brother will rise again. And she says, yeah, I know that's going to happen. He said, no, 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 wait a minute. I am important. Jesus used that phrase over and over in the Gospels. I am. It's, it's, it's not just pointing to him as a person in the physical flesh. It's pointing to who he was. He was the Jehovah God of the Old Testament. And he's saying to Martha, the I am is here and your brother's going to live again. Amen. See, when you put your faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are putting your faith in the life of God. Amen. And, and, and you know the end of that story. Jesus said, remove the stone. And he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And, and this is so important. He that was dead. He was, but he's not anymore. Why? Because the life showed up. Amen. The life showed up. Well, Jesus said, see, no, no matter the circumstance. And when I say this, when you got born again, your physical life was regenerated. Your spiritual man was regenerated and recreated in the image of God. But the life of God wants to flow in every area of your life, into your finances, into your relationships, in every area of your life. It is life that repels death. And when the resurrection of life of God is emanating out of you, death cannot approach you because life will always overcome death. That's why death does not defeat a believer. It cannot. That enemy has been conquered. The sting of death has been taken away. 
When a believer dies, they don't, they, there's a cessation of life in the physical body, but we never die. Amen. Why? Because Jesus said, verse 26, He that believeth in me shall never die. And he said, notice what he said, you got to believe that. So what does the enemy try to bring against us in every day of our life, every month, every year, that something's going to die? That you're not going to have enough money. That a relationship is going to die. It can even be in in the season that we're in, unfortunately. The fear of death is trying to encompass people all around us. What what is that? Afraid that, that cessation of life is going to occur. It cannot occur. I will never die. And what you don't fear, you won't attract. And what you don't fear cannot come near you because when I fear death, I cause life to quit flowing out of me. But when I have faith in life, I put the fear of death away from me. Who glory. Notice in John 6. Resurrection life is being released. John chapter 6 and uh, verse 35. Jesus said unto them, here's this phrase again, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Well, for what? That life. I never will. Amen. Uh, Hunger and thirst are evidences of lack and not enough and insufficiency and death. But Jesus said, when you partake of me, that'll never happen. Amen. Then in verse 48, he said, I am that bread of life. And then he used the illustration, your fathers ate bread in manna in in the wilderness. And he said, this is the bread that cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. Notice, he's he's making a distinction. Your fathers ate manna. I am the bread that comes out of heaven. Me and manna, we're different. Right? Manna will rot. Manna will go away. Manna ceased when they crossed into the promised land. He said, I am this everlasting bread that comes down out of heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. For the life so that the whole world can live if they'll believe in me. So important. Because what people get focused on is, is, is dying and death. Jesus said, I'm the living bread. I came down out of heaven for this purpose. That whoever will believe me, he uses the phrase here, whoever will eat of this bread. Well, remember what Jesus said on uh, Passover? He took the bread. Oh, hallelujah. He, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, eat this. This is my body. 
broken for you. Right? Don't, don't miss this. If any man eat of this bread, he'll live forever. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. That bread was a symbol of the body of Jesus. It was striped. It had holes in it. It was pierced. And Jesus took it and specifically on purpose broke it in front of his disciples. And he said, this is my body. Eat of it. It's been broken for you. In other words, if you'll believe in me and believe in what's about to happen to me, I'm going to die, but I'm going to raise again from the dead. And if you'll put your faith in this resurrection power and partake of my resurrected body. I'm not partaking of the body of Jesus in death. I'm partaking of His resurrected body. It's the meal that heals. It is the new covenant. That is His blood and His body in the new covenant. Oh, glory to God. That is the bread of life. Amen. Do you see that? So the life is in Him. It's in Jesus. Amen. Now we'll go over some different things. The resurrection is some things. It is first of all the doctrine of every disciple. The resurrection is the foundation stone of all doctrine. Alright? It's so important. It's the doctrine of every disciple. Secondly, it is the faith of every believer. Belief in the resurrection was the faith of the early church. If we look at Acts 2. Oh, glory. This is what they preached. Acts 2 and 24. This is Peter's message on the day of Pentecost. And he said, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death. Notice how he started out. Whom God has raised up. He, he, he said in verse 23, you delivered him by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God. You've taken by wicked hands and have slain, but God has raised him up. In other words, on the day of Pentecost, Peter is saying, you can even go to the tomb right now, but God's raised him up. Do you know the resurrection of Jesus was such a powerful event that Scripture tells us that when Jesus rose from the dead that other people that were known in history rose from the dead and walked the streets of Jerusalem and communicated with people. The the resurrection of Jesus was so powerful that it shook the very earth. Amen. It changed everything forever. Everybody watching online today, if you're born again, the resurrection of Jesus so changed your future, it eternally changed your future. It didn't just make it better here in this life that's about five minutes long, God time. It changed it for eternity. For eternity, eon upon eon, age upon age upon never-ending age, the Greek says... I will be rejoicing 
and praising and giving God glory and saying to Jesus, you are the one that is, that was, and ever will be. You redeemed me by your blood and you live forever. Glory to God. That was the faith of the early church. Notice verse 32. Verse 31, it says, He seen this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, meaning David, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus has God raised up, whom, notice, whereof we are all witnesses. So all of the other believers out of the upper room are standing behind Jesus or behind Peter, 120 of them, and here's what he's doing. He's saying, God raised him up, and we're all witnesses of it. We've seen him. And it says, Paul said that over 500 people saw Jesus bodily, physically, after his resurrection. 500 people. And he said the majority of them are still alive. So Paul whose ministry was a number of years after the the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, what was he still preaching? The resurrection. Why? That's where the power is. Amen. I I, I heard a man ministering not too long ago, and he said, uh, you know, the church needs to preach hell. Uh, you know, and, 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 and needs to preach on hell so that people don't get comfortable. Well, I, I mean, there is a time to, to minister uh, 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 concerning hell and eternal destruction but what you, or uh, eternal punishment. But what you need to understand is what does Scripture say that we should preach? What did Paul say his gospel was? That Christ died, was buried, and rose again the third day. Amen. There, there is a hell, and it's reserved for the devil and his angels and for people that go down that path. But here's the key. Hell, the lake of fire, by definition in Revelation, is the second death. So in other words, they die physically the first time, but when they go to that place of eternal punishment, it's eternal separation from God. It's spiritual death. It is the second death. But Jesus said... If you believe on Him, you will never die. If you believe He rose from the dead, you will never die. What does that mean? That your body will never quit breathing? No. It means the real you will never die. You will never ever be separated from God. Why? Because there's there's an unbreakable link between you and the Father because you believe that He raised Jesus from the dead. Glory to God. Amen. Am I helping y'all? Oh, I'm helping me. Praise God. Acts chapter uh, 4 and verse 10. Peter preaching after this uh, lame man had been healed. And he says in verse 10, Be it known unto all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him does this man stand here before you whole. So notice, he not only says that Jesus was raised from the dead, he says, and he is an active living force right now because he healed this man. If somebody's doing miracles and healing people, they have to be alive. 
Amen. Amen. See, this, this was the message. It was the belief of the early church. Oh, Jesus rose from the dead. He can do anything. Do, do you understand that? We were, we were one time we had a, 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 a relative that was visiting us and uh, they, it was after church and, and we had the, 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 the youth group over to our, our, our house and, and we were playing a game. Uh, uh, I forget what game it was, but it was a game where, where the person would ask questions and it would be questions. Well, the question was this, uh, what one person, if you had a chance to spend five minutes with them physically, what person would you choose? Well, there was a, a young lady there that helped out with the, the, the student group, and, and she gave the, the really churchy religious answer of Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, I understand that, but it, the question was, who, what one person would you want to meet? And she said, well, Jesus Christ. Well, I've already met Jesus. Yeah. But, you know, I can overlook that because, you know, I understand what people are saying. But here's what got me. The person that was reading the card, here's what they said. Well, no, it's, it's somebody that's alive today. Yeah. It's somebody, you, do you know that proved to me that person wasn't born again? Yeah. They would have talked to you about how much they knew God and how much they loved God, but that statement proved to me they weren't born again. Yeah. Doesn't matter what scripture they know or how often they go to church, it proved to me they're not born again because they don't believe Jesus raised from the dead. Because they don't believe he's alive today. That's not a figment. That's not just something we believe religiously. That Jesus, you know, somehow is in heaven. Everyone in heaven is alive. Nobody's dead in heaven. But what people think is that, well, so-and-so's in heaven. What that means is they're dead. Nobody's dead in heaven. If somebody's in heaven, they're more alive now than they ever were in this body. Paul called this body a body of death. Right? He said, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? In other words, deliver me from the power of this body of death. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. How is Jesus Christ our Lord able to deliver us from this body of death? Because Peter said that he was loosed from the pains of death because it was not possible that death should be able to hold on to him. Amen. Death cannot hold on to me because the life of God is on the inside of my God. The life of God is on the inside of me. Mm. Ah, yes, and that's why we can say resurrection life is released. And that's why we can say the power of the life of God is released even today. Because I said in my word that out of your belly would flow rivers of living water that would produce life everywhere that it goes. And I said in a type and a figure and a shadow in the Old Testament that the rivers would begin to flow in the desert and that everywhere the river went, life would be the result. And so even today on Resurrection Day, the life of God is flowing and it's coming out of you. And the things, the things in, in people's life that begin to look brown and begin to look dead 
are going to come to life and you shall see it and it will surely come to pass. And I said earlier in this month that there were things that you were believing for and things that you were standing for and that you would see them in the next three months. And I declare it again that even those things that seem like they have become lifeless and seem like they have become something that just needs to be cast aside... In the next three months, May, June, and July, you will see them come to life. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. I believe God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Acts 4.35. Thank you, Jesus. God raised him from the dead. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean Acts 4.35. We read Acts 4.10, didn't we? Acts 4.10. All right. God raised him from the dead. So notice, everywhere they preach, they preach Jesus has been raised from the dead. So in our spirits, in our thinking, it has to be this way. How do I know God We'll do this. God can do this because God raised Jesus from the dead. And that settles the issue. Amen. The resurrection of Jesus is the courage of every martyr. It's what gives people courage to stand for what they believe, even in the face. And, and when we say martyr, not just those that have lost their, their lives, although that's, that's vital, but that, that sense of being persecuted for what we believe. Why can we stand strong in that? Because we know Jesus rose from the dead. If Jesus rose from the dead, He said, if you believe me, He said, believe this, I go to prepare a place for you, and if it were not so, I would have told you, and I will come again for you and bring you to me. Amen. Well, when he died in the physical and went into the grave and then he rose from the dead and when he was transfigured, he went to prepare a place for us. Only living people can go prepare a place. So my place is now prepared. So because he rose from the dead, there's a place prepared. It doesn't matter what happens to this physical body. I have a place prepared for me. Amen. And, and, and that's why over the years people have given themselves to, to, to the sword, given themselves to the firing squad, given themselves to hanging, given themselves to torture because they believe that Jesus rose from the dead and it gave them courage. Amen. The resurrection is the theme of every sermon. The theme of every sermon. Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 3. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, he said, <clears throat> For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. What did Paul receive? How that Christ died for our sin according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. So Paul says, this is what I delivered to you. 
that Christ died, Christ was buried, Christ rose on the third day. If you take any of those three out, you do not have a complete gospel. It's not complete. And he said, this is what I preached. Was that Christ died, Christ was buried, and Christ rose again. There are any number of people, and and they're good, they're well-meaning people. There are facets of Christianity that have Christ still on the cross. They haven't moved past it. He's still on the cross. There there are people that have him still in the tomb. But then there are people that have him rose from the dead. That's us. Amen. Every one of those facets had their own particular purpose and plan in what God did. He had to die because there had to be a sacrifice. He had to go to hell because he had to be spiritually separated from the Father because that's the condition we were in. But he had to rise again from the dead so that he could participate in our resurrection. Amen. So the cross is where a sinner receives forgiveness. Amen. But they have to put faith in the finished work because on the cross it wasn't finished. It wasn't finished till he rose from the dead. And when you put faith in the finished work, which is I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, amen. Now I'm born again. Hallelujah. It is the power of the gospel. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. It is the power of the gospel. Paul says here in Philippians 3 and 10, talking about Jesus, he says that I may know Him, and then he says, and the power of His resurrection. The Amplified Bible says the power outflowing from His resurrection. So, there was a power released in the resurrection that came into the life of every believer and is still being released. It's the power of the resurrection. That's the power of the gospel. How do I know God can change your life? Because Jesus rose from the dead. How do I know the life of God can flow into your life and change things? Because Jesus rose from the dead. And that life is still outflowing out of us, those of us that have believed that. It's still flowing out of us. Right now, that life is emanating out of me. And, and that's why you'll get around somebody and they'll say, I just like being around you because, and they'll use different words for it. You're so positive. Uh, you're, you're such a joy. There's just a lightness about you, right? Because what you're doing, what Pastor Michelle said when she was talking over the offering about rejoicing, when you begin to rejoice, you stir up the life of God on the inside of you. 
And the life of God, we've, we've called it the anointing, and it is the anointing. But what the life of God does is removes burdens and destroys yokes. Once you get made alive with the life of God, everything to do with death has to go. Amen. Amen. So there's a power that flows out of His resurrection. But I've got to put faith in that. All right? The life of God in me will put me over in every circumstance. Amen. When, when we say things like the spirit life of 1 Peter 2.24 is flowing in my body, ridding me of germs, diseases, ridding me of viruses, ridding me of everything that could, that could provide death or destruction. That's the life of God. That's the life within the Word of God. That's why Paul said in uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, he told Timothy, he said, every word of God is God-breathed. The, the, the Bible says that the life is in the blood. But the DNA is found in other aspects of our body. If you, if you take a balloon and you blow it up, I now have a DNA sample. However they need to do it, I can take that balloon and I have a DNA sample. In other words, you are in that balloon. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? So when Paul told Timothy, every word of God is God breathed. God is in this book. This is the life of God. And so that's why Scripture says that, that the prophet said, I took the book and I ate it. It, it. it is life to me. Amen. David said, your precepts are life to me. This is so vital because there's power that flows out of the resurrection. Notice Romans 8. Romans 8 and uh, verse 11. Romans 8 and 11. <clears throat> it says, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also, here's a word, quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit or because of His Spirit that dwells in you. Now, throughout the New Testament, there's only one word for spirit. And you've got, to, you've got to ascertain by the context what it's talking about. The spirit of man or the Holy Spirit. The, the, the life-giving spirit. There, there's only one word. It's the Greek word pneuma. It's where we get our word for a pneumatic tool or pneumonia. Anything to do with respiration or breathing. And he says if the spirit, well, it's the Greek word pneuma, but we can tell by the context that it's the Holy Spirit. It's the life-giving Spirit. If the Holy Spirit, if the Spirit of Him, of God, because He's the one that raised Jesus from the dead, if He dwells in you, then He that raised up Christ from the dead 
will also quicken your mortal bodies or He will raise us from the dead by the Spirit that dwells in you. So not only was I recreated spiritually and made a new creature, this life-giving Spirit every day is quickening my mortal body. Why? Because it's constantly flowing. When, when Jesus rose from the dead, Scripture says something. He dies no more. He died unto sin once, and He dies no more. Now, now, hear what I'm saying when I say this. Because in a sense, Jesus was the first man born again from the dead. He was the first begotten of the Father. He was the first man born again from the dead. Not born again because He sinned, but the first man that was raised to new life. And we are all following that model. So when you got born again, you went through the same process that Jesus went through. The Bible says you were crucified with Christ. Paul said you were buried with Christ. And Paul said you were raised with Christ. That's what he said. Why? Because for me to receive that life, I had to go through the same process. Oh, glory. He did it for me in a physical sense. I never had it nails driven in my hand. I was never put in a physical grave. And nobody ever saw me physically rise again. But in the mind of God, when Jesus was nailed to the tree, I was nailed to the tree with Him. When they pulled Him off that tree and put Him in the grave, they pulled me off that tree and put me in the grave. But on the third day, when the Holy Spirit went into that tomb and went into hell and raised Jesus from the dead, He raised me too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So guess what? I never die again. Because that life is flowing out of me. Glory be to God. That's why, that's why you've got to believe the resurrection. Because it's what gives power to the other two. It's what gives power to the other events. Glory be to God. Mm-mm-mm. So, so that's, that's why you can say I'll never be sick another day in my life. Because the life of God's flowing in me. Amen. And people in the world will look at you and go, oh, you can't control that. I don't have to control it. The life of God in me is controlling it. And and, and I don't say that flippantly. And and I, I would not want anyone not to use wisdom. But what I'm saying is I do certain things because it's wisdom to do it. But I'm doing it with the understanding that the life of God is on the inside of me. And that's why Jesus can say, even if you eat a deadly thing, it's not going to hurt you because the life of God is on the inside of you. I don't know what's going on in the world. There are any number of pathogens and viruses and diseases and germs that are floating around in the atmosphere. But here's what I know, that what a mask can't stop and what gloves can't stop, the life of God on the inside of me can put an end to it. And I'm not telling you not to wear a mask or not to wear gloves. I'm just telling you that our faith is in something stronger than that. Amen. Hallelujah. I I, I want you to hear that. I'm not being flippant with that. We're in a trying time. The world's in a trying time. People are losing their lives. But we don't have to. 
Our family don't have to. The life of God is flowing in us. Amen. My God, my God, my God. Look at Acts 1. Am I helping you? Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. Luke writing here to Theophilus. He says, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion or his death. Notice what it says. By many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So Luke says there were infallible proofs. In other words, you can't get around them. It's infallible. When Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, he also wrote to Theophilus. And he said that he had, he had investigated it. And I thought it was interesting that the word that Paul used or, or that Luke used there was the Greek word for an autopsy. So I've been meticulous about this. In other words, Luke did not just put down the gospel of Luke or, or the book of Acts just flippantly as a story. He investigated it. He talked to people. And he could prove right here that there were infallible proofs that Jesus was raised from the dead. Amen. Amen. Pentecost, and remember we talk about the day of Pentecost. It's the feast of Pentecost. It was 50 days after first fruits. When the feast of first fruits, people would come and they would bring the first fruits of their labor, the first fruits of their harvest, the first fruits of their wine and their corn and their animals. It was 50 days after first fruits. Jesus was raised from the dead during that feast of first fruits. Notice this. This is so important. 1 Corinthians 15. I, I want you to see something here. 1 Corinthians 15. And verse 20. We should read verse 19 because it's so important. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become or has become the first fruits of them that slept. So he fulfilled the feast of first fruits by becoming the first fruit. He was the first man that went into the earth. He, he, he wasn't the first man that was ever raised from the dead. He was the first man that was ever raised from the dead to never die again. There had to be a forerunner. Hebrew says he's the forerunner that went beyond the veil. He had, there had to be a prototype. There had to be a model. And the Bible says that Jesus is our example. Not just in how we live this life, but our example in this, that we have risen and we are ever alive with the resurrection life of God. So Jesus became the first fruits of them that slept. Amen. 50 days before the day of Pentecost. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he walked among the disciples for 40 days. 40 days leaving 10 days for the disciples to wait in Jerusalem in the upper room. So for 40 days, 
He walked among the disciples. This, this is so important because <laughs> he was alive. And, and, and not a ghost, not an aberration. You know, uh, uh, Gnostics say, well, you know, yeah, he was, but, but, you know, it was just an image and, and it was just, no, he was a man. A flesh and bone man. Because his blood had all been poured out. Remember when he walked through the, the wall and they, they got scared and said it's a ghost? And Jesus said, no, 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 handle me. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. And then what did he say? In the, in the room where they were, what do y'all have to eat? And they said, we have some fish and some honey comb. And he said, oh, give it to me. And he ate. Spirits don't eat. Somehow we get this idea that Jesus is somehow a spiritual being and, 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 you know, that everybody in heaven is a spirit. It's because of our definition of spirit. If, if you think of your spirit as just something that can be see-through and, you know, you kind of have this Holy Ghost Casper idea of what a spirit is, then you don't see it as reality. When you shed this body, you're going to be more real than you've ever been. The Bible says that there's a man in the Godhead, a living man. Why is that important? What is sustaining that living man? The resurrection power of God. Do you realize the resurrection power of God was so strong in Jesus that he could go to the souls that were kept in prison, that were kept in bondage to death? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, David, every patriarch that ever lived that was kept in Abraham's bosom because they believed God by faith, that Jesus could go into that place of the dead full of the resurrection life of God and release them? Because the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that what they saw by faith was Him. Amen. Jesus spoke. To, am I helping y'all? Jesus was speaking to the religious leaders of His day. And He said, look, before Abraham was, I am. And they wanted to stone Him. And Jesus said, Abraham saw my day, saw my day, saw my day, and he rejoiced. Job, in the middle of the worst time anybody's ever went through, when it looked like everything was going to go wrong and he was going to die, he said, even though after my death the worms will eat my bones, I know that my Redeemer lives and I will see Him in that day. And religion has taken that and said, just put up with what you're going through because you know your Redeemer lives. Job somehow by the Spirit of God tapped into that revelation of resurrection life and said even though I'm going to die I know my Redeemer lives and He will stand at that day and I'll see Him and He'll justify me. So when Jesus went into that place of the dead He went in with resurrection life. Why? Because He'd already been loosed from hell. And it crossed over into Abraham's bosom. The rich man that died at the same time Lazarus died, he was in the place of the sinful dead, those that didn't believe. And the Bible says there was a gulf between him and Abraham's bosom. 
when Jesus died, he went to that place where that rich man was to be punished, to suffer the pains of judgment that you and I were, that you and I were guilty of. He had to be there three days and three nights to be perfected and be the perfect sacrifice. But at the end of those three days and three nights, he crossed over that gulf, something nobody had ever been able to do, something that nobody without receiving him will ever be able to do. And he crossed into Abraham's bosom and they all looked on him and said, there he is, there's our Redeemer. And he led captivity captive. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And now, every person that believes on the Lord Jesus Christ immediately gets that life. Immediately gets that life. Never have to know the pain and suffering of hell. Never have to know that because because it's been eradicated. As far as you and I are concerned, it holds no fear. It holds no problem. We're never going there. Death will never latch its chains on us. We cannot be taken because our Redeemer lives. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Do you see that? He said that's infallible. You, you can't get around that. And I won't take the time to give you all of them, but of course, uh, uh, Scripture says He appeared to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. In, in, in Matthew 28, it says three different times that He appeared to them. Not that He appeared to them three different times, but three different times it tells us that He appeared to them. Uh, uh, he appeared to Peter, according to Paul, 1 Corinthians fifteen five, that He appeared to Cephas and the others. Uh, Two believers on the road to Emmaus, Luke 24. It says that those two disciples, we don't know what their names were, but Jesus, I always thought that was funny. They're walking along talking about Jesus and and how He was crucified and and how sad they were, and Jesus just eases up on them. Right? Uh, He was alive, walking on the road. Amen. Amen. And, he, and, and the resurrection life of God had so changed him, they didn't even see, know, recognize who he was. That's why when you got born again, people say, there's something different about you. You look different. That's right. It's called life. What you were looking at before was a dead man walking. Now you see life. Oh, glory to God. And Jesus said, what are y'all talking about? And they told him, and he said, oh, okay. And so they're walking down the road, and they go into a restaurant to eat, and Jesus acts like he's going to keep going. They said, no, come on and eat with us. And so he sat down, and then he broke, he broke the bread and blessed it, and they said, oh, it's him. Yeah. Amen. And they ran back to the disciples and told him, you know the story. Amen. Then he, in John 20, He appeared to the ten disciples. Thomas wasn't present. Thomas was not present. Then in verse 26 through 29, he appeared to the eleven disciples and Thomas was present. And you'll remember Jesus came, remember he came through the wall again. He likes to come through walls. (laughs) Door being shut. And, and And remember what he did to Thomas? He went right to Thomas. Went directly to Thomas. Because what did Thomas say? Unless I put my finger in the hole in his hand and my hand in his side, notice this is important, I will not believe. Will not believe what? That he's alive. But wait a minute. What had Jesus told him? I'll raise from the dead. 
What are we supposed to believe? What we can see or what he said? What he said. So had they believed it, they would have been counting three days and three nights from the time he was crucified. And instead of hiding, they would have all been congregating at the tomb waiting on him to show up. You have to be in a constant state of expectation that what God said, it's going to come to pass and you're camping out in front of the tomb because it's all going to happen just like He said. Amen. Amen. But Thomas, Thomas did what He said to do and He said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, you have believed because you've seen. But He said, it's greater to believe when you haven't seen. Amen. He appeared in John 21 to seven disciples by the Sea of Galilee. 1 Corinthians 15 says He appeared to 500 at once. 1 Corinthians 15 says He appeared to His half-brother James personally. Well, that'll make you believe He's the Messiah. (laughs) Because, you know, Scripture says His family didn't believe in Him. Sometimes, sometimes I hear believers, even preachers, that go, well, my family don't think that much of me. Well, join the Jesus Club. They didn't think much of him either. The Bible says they thought he was crazy. That's what it says. It says his brother said he's mad. He appeared to 11 disciples on the mountain near Galilee, Matthew 28. And then there were appearances after he ascended. Acts chapter 7, verse 58, uh, Stephen saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Acts 9, verse 3 through 4, Paul on the road to Damascus. And then finally, Revelation 1, 12 and 13, John on Patmos saw him. So not only did people see him after his physical resurrection from the dead, there are people in the Bible and people that we have knowledge of that, that are great people of God that we believe greatly in have seen him. Amen. The resurrection... Produced change. It produced change. The first thing that it changed was the lives of the disciples changed from fear to faith and courage. They they obeyed what he said and they went into the upper room and when they came out of the upper room filled with the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, they began to preach Christ who was raised from the dead. Amen. And just, just... Just 40-something days earlier, they were hiding. The church began to worship on the first day of the week. That's so important. Because the first day of the week, why is that important? Why would we worship on that day? Because that's the day Jesus was raised from the dead. It sets what we believe apart. We are Christians. We are Those that believe in Christ, Christians. The Bible says that they first called them Christians in Antioch because they worship on a different day and we worship on the first day of the week. What does that mean? Every Sunday is Resurrection Day. The the world has turned it into a holiday. It's something we celebrate every week. Jesus is alive every day. And when we come on Sundays, it's not just to come to church, it's to celebrate our risen Savior. Oh, glory. 
The early Christians, this is what changed. They went everywhere preaching the resurrection. Hey, Jesus is alive. Amen. You know, people make soul winning difficult. Hey, Jesus is alive. It's just the reality of it. The empty tomb became an infallible proof that Jesus had risen from the dead. How, How do you get around that? When you read the scripture, and I'm going to be closing just a, a moment. When you read the scripture, it says that the Roman soldiers came back. And they told the story. The angel came down. Moved the stone. And you know, it doesn't say the angel did anything to him. It said because of his presence, they exceedingly feared and fell like dead men. It doesn't say because of the presence of God. Because of the look of that angel. And you remember what the high priest said and the religious leaders, they said, well, here's what to do. We'll give you a great sum of money and you tell everybody that the disciples came and stole him. Now, these are those same disciples that were such good swordsmen that they were aiming for a head and got an ear. (laughs) That were so brave and, and, and stalwart that the moment they saw these soldiers, they ran for fear. And hid and lied about knowing Jesus. Whew. Right? And they said, and we'll soothe it over with Pilate. You just, and it said that story is still told. And it is, it's still told. But here's the point they couldn't deny the empty tomb. Nobody can. You can't, you can't deny it. And, and no, no matter what people believe, that there, there's, there's something about it that you cannot, you cannot give an answer for it. If we believe that he physically, historically walked the earth, and there are works of history from physical people that were historians that physically placed the Lord Jesus Christ on the earth, we don't need him because we have the word. But the point is, Flavius, Josephus, and others that put Jesus on the earth. A Jewish historian said about this time there was a man called Jesus. If he can rightly be called a man because of the great miracles that he produced. And it said, who Pilate crucified, but he was in the grave for three days and rose again. That's not a biblical commentator. It's not a disciple of Jesus. It's a Jewish historian that to our knowledge never believed on Jesus but can recollect and and tell the truth that Jesus was a physical man that was crucified and buried but he rose again. Amen. Amen. When the enemy tries to put any amount of doubt in your mind, here's the answer. He is not here. He's risen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the resurrection life of God that's being released right now. Amen. Amen. Do do you see this? You've got a choice. Everyone watching, in in just a few moments, we're going to receive communion. If you don't have your elements, go get them, whatever you got to get. It doesn't matter if you have juice and crackers or not. You can have tortilla chips and RC Cola, whatever you need. Amen. Hallelujah. 
But here, here, here's, here's the thing. Is uh, I probably, anytime that you're speaking to, to people, there's people watching today that aren't born again. And being born again is so simple. We've said it throughout this message. It's believing in your heart that the Lord raised Jesus, that God raised Jesus from the dead. You'll be saved. And, you know, with what's, with, let me say this. Even before the season that we're in came, the things that you were facing in the world were unsurmountable. You have no answer for them. You know, things like this happen and it becomes news. But there were things that you were facing before this that you had no answer for. There are people that come to our churches every week. They're, they're, my, my wife, sitting right here today, before she was born again, she was a hopeless, helpless drug addict, could not get free. Had, there was part of her that didn't even want to be free because I'm always going to be this way. But one encounter with the life of God changed her life. What drove that addiction out of her body? The life of God. That's what did it. Amen. Uh, others in here, I've, I've heard, like Larry's testimony, smoking crack, doing all these things. What drove that addiction to crack cocaine out of his body? That addiction was death. But when he encountered the giver, the Bible, <laughs> the Bible calls him the author of life. Peter called him the prince of life. The originator of life. When you encounter him, death's got to go. So even before this season, you were facing things you couldn't handle. It just wasn't as in your face. But what are you going to do? This season's going to end. It's got a time limit. It's got an expiration date. What are you going to do then? There was a man one time that his boss was talking to him and he asked him, he said, well, uh, what do you plan to do with your life? And he said, well, I plan to, it was a, a lawyer's practice. He said, I plan to practice law and uh, uh, make a name for myself and make a lot of money. He said, well, what then? He said, well, I, I, I plan to retire. I'm going to buy me a nice big house with a nice big porch. And uh, we're going to have a lot of kids and a lot of grandkids. And we're just going to sit and enjoy them, travel. He said, well, what then? He said, well, I guess I'll die. And he said, well, what then? There's always a what then. Well, I just want things to get back to normal. What then? What, what, what about your life from then on? This isn't the last challenge you're ever going to face. What are you going to do with your life? More importantly, what are you going to do with eternity? If you're watching me and you can say in your heart, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not born again. It's very simple. Just say this with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that Jesus died for me was buried and rose again. 
I believe He's alive now. And I receive Him as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Now, if you said that with me, I believe you're born again. Scripture says you're born again. The life of God is now flowing on the inside of you. And your life will never, ever be the same. Hallelujah. Let's receive our communion. Would you bring our elements, sweetheart? Hallelujah. Praise God. Pastor Michelle so set the atmosphere for us today. Uh, Of course, uh, because of copyright and whatnot, we can't sing some of our songs uh, over the live stream, but she was worshiping and praising God beforehand. And uh, we want to receive communion today. And we made mention of what Jesus said when he took the bread, he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. And uh, we've, we've made mention over the years that broken for us means that there doesn't have to be a broken place in our life, and that's very true. But there's life in his brokenness. When he was broken, it produced life for me. And so when I partake of the bread, I'm not just partaking of his brokenness, I'm partaking of the life that's in that brokenness. So, Father, today as we partake of the bread that is a symbol of the brokenness of Jesus, we receive it by faith in what it is, the body of Christ. And we declare in Jesus' name that as we partake of this, that we are partaking of the life that is in the physical body of Jesus Christ, who is alive forevermore at the right hand of the Father. And we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today. Thank you, Father, for the life that is in the bread. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, Father, we come to the cup. And Jesus said that this cup was his blood in the New Testament or the blood of the New Covenant. And Father, it seals, it ratifies, it brings into our life every promise that you've ever made. And we thank you that as we partake of this cup, that we are partaking in a symbol, Father, of that blood that was put on the doorpost in the, in the land of Goshen. When the destroyer passed through and you said, where the blood is seen, the destroyer will pass over. So we thank you today that as we partake of this cup, we receive all of the blessing promises that you have made and we declare that there will be no destruction and there will be no defeat and there will be no death for we are protected in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. You can partake of your cup today. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. So we are believing with you for uh, uh, all that you're standing in faith concerning. Uh, We have seen... Uh, over and over and over again, already what God has said is what He's doing. 
And I want you to keep it in your mouth that the resurrection life of God was released today. And victory is going to be the result.